I'm Fathery. This is Starfleet Boy. And this is Text Trek. Engage. back aboard the Starship Texas for the 213th installment of the Text Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek old and new, and tonight we're talking about Star Trek Lower Deck Season 3, Episode 9, written and directed by Ben M. Waller and Phil Mark. I always get his last name wrong, I'm pretty sure, but Segadraka we'll go with this time. Uh, but yeah, it's a, a fun, exciting episode to discuss, especially for those of us on board the Starship Texas, because this uh, canonified the existence of a Texas-class Starship. Mike McMahon, <laughs> finally listen to me! I've been asking for that for a while, so thank you, Mike. I'm sure it was just because of us, and, and no other reason, so, so thank you so much. <laughs> Texas represent. Uh, she's a tiny ship, though, and she's a bit scary. So I don't know. Is that is that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how well things are going to pan out with uh, Buen Amigo, Buen Amigo, and the Texas class. Uh, science fiction kind of has a track record of uh, when you put the computer or the artificial intelligence in charge of the high tech stuff, things don't work out well for you. Uh, that, that's a, long-standing tradition which star trek has often uh you know tapped into going all the way back to the ultimate computer back in the 60s on tos so i we'll, we'll have That's to right. you know reserve our our judgment on that until next week i think uh, like a few things in this episode i'm going to discuss i kind of need to hold back and wait and see how the dust settles next week but uh there's still a lot here to unpack and delve into so i think we're, we're gonna have a lot of fun getting into that uh, before we start talking about this episode of lower decks though I do have a few things I need to mention. Uh, first of all, I need to apologize to our Patreon supporters. Uh, we were unable to do our uh, watch party uh, last Saturday on the 15th, so we're doing it. Day of recording today is the 21st. We're doing it tomorrow on October 22nd. We're watching the Voyager episode, The Thaw. So we're going to be doing that at 3.30 Central over in the Text Trek Discord. And just uh, a thank you to all the people who chip in every month, including not only you, Starfleet Boy, but also, Cake is Eternal, Gay Clevin Lundstrom, Crazy Dutchie, Joanne Robertson, Quarks Bar, John Dawes, and our anonymous supporters. Thank all of you so much. You really make this so much easier for me to, to keep uh, doing the, the content like this. And it's fun, you know, when we do those, those things together. And, uh, you know, if you're unable to, to join on, on Patreon and help out financially, uh, you know, we, we still appreciate if you can help us out by subscribing to the YouTube channel. We're getting dare I say, dangerously close to 1,000 subscribers. I've promised that if we hit 1,000 before the end of this year, 2022, before the end of this year of, of our Lord, the Great Bird of the Galaxy, 2022, if we can hit 1,000 subs, I will sing my least favorite song of all time, Faith of the Heart, the Enterprise theme song. 
Uh, Joel in our audience is, is reminding us that we're 55 away, so. Wow, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> Jeffrey Boy is so happy. Yeah, so even if you just listen, if, if you're not uh, a YouTube viewer, if you listen to the podcast uh, through some other method, uh, please just go ahead and sign into YouTube and hit subscribe anyways if you want to help torture me. <laughs> so, uh, torture that's, uh, Let's do it, everyone. Come on. <laughs> that's cool, though. I'm, I'm, I'm proud that we're, uh, we're getting close to that. It's a pretty big milestone. And if you're already subscribed and you still want to help us out, you can always rate the podcast wherever you get your podcast. You know, we're on Spotify, Google, Apple, all that good stuff. So, yeah, the, uh, the ratings help. The subscriptions help. And if you want to go the extra mile, you can come into Patreon as little as $2 a month. And we have uh, several different tiers, different perks. So check that out if you're interested. I love being a patron to your uh, channel. Those those uh, watch-alongs are really fun. And your Discord and all the community stuff you're building is pretty cool. I just want to say real quick, shout out to uh, Jill, who is a, who is today is Pi is Eternal. So we have both Cake is Eternal and Pi is Eternal in your audience uh, well, today. Let's <laughs> say Delicious Eternity. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah no, totally. so uh, yeah if you if you can catch the shows live every week at 7 p.m central on fridays you get to uh see cool things in the audience like jill's unique usernames that change from week to week yeah it's so that's, cool. that's uh you know kind of the the highlight of my fridays like oh my goodness what will jill's username be this week <laughs> enough of uh all of that uh let's let's get into the episode lower decks this is our last week of talking about just a lower decks episode by itself because next week we're gonna have Lower Decks and Prodigy. Prodigy's coming back, so we're going to have a Lower Decks finale to talk about and a Prodigy I am marathoning uh, Season 1 Part 1 this week, so I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah, I I, uh, am lucky enough I get to work from home sometimes, not as often as I'd like, but I was, uh, instead of working this afternoon, I just stopped (laughs) doing things and just started watching some Prodigy, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm very uh, eager to get back into that show. I love them kids, I love the protostar, I am extremely curious to see what happens next with them just like i'm extremely curious to see what happens next week on lower decks because uh, this episode definitely sets up some interesting things to happen in the finale so i'm just gonna recap it very quickly by reading the official synopsis and then i'll kind of expand on that with spoilers but the synopsis is simply a visiting reporter on the cerritos puts captain freeman on edge and yeah uh carol's gonna carol right she's uh <laughs> She's having a meltdown at the beginning of the episode. There's a reporter on board the ship. She's trying to put her best foot forward to quote the episode. Kind of gets a little carried away with that. Ends up uh, making an ass out of herself. We get that conflict between her and Mariner where Mariner is drummed off of the ship even though she wasn't telling the reporter anything bad. There is kind of the sitcom-y reveal of like, oh, it was all just a misunderstanding. But there's some good drama to be milked out of that. And oh yeah, the brain totally blew up a planet that all of y'all forgot about. Brecca from Picard. I mean, I'm sorry, from the Next Generation season one. And so we got a cool action sequence in here too. And then the Texas class ship as the hero of the day this week. But <laughs> we're kind of worried it might become the villain. <laughs> Next week, so I yeah, guess we're we'll worried find out. Admiral Buenamigo is actually Admiral Malo Amigo. <laughs> <laughs> That's no good. No bueno. Admiral No Bueno. <laughs> oh my gosh, I want to cosplay as Admiral No Bueno. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> but uh, yeah, speaking of the Texas class, before we get into our opening statements and kind of share our broad opinions on the episode... I do want to mention that uh, our friend, who's who's frequently on the show, uh, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Harvey, uh, aka Geek Filter, y'all can chat with him in the live audience right now. Uh, but uh, he is uh, uh, among 
other things, uh, among being a Star Trek the Animated Series aficionado and number one champion, uh, he's also a very talented artist. And uh, look at this uh, beautiful artwork that uh, he, saw that. he helped us out with. So, yeah, we have the Texas-class ship. Uh, so we're gonna, we might use this for some uh, branding with uh, the with text trek going forward. But yeah, people, if you're listening to this, go check out uh, uh, our socials. Go look at uh, our Facebook page, or you know, follow me on Twitter, or go to text-trek.com, and you can see some of Aaron's uh, beautiful work there. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Starfleet boy, if you want to tell us, just kind of your broad opinion on this before we get into the episode breakdown. What was your reaction overall to this? Episode? I cried so hard. From guilt when Mariner's interview like actually was shown because I was a dick just like everyone else, Father. <laughs> and I thought that she was the one who inadvert. I thought it was like inadvertent, like accidentally. Yeah, accidental, but still. Yeah, like she like, would like yeah. go up to the reporter, and be like, "Oh yeah, we have like these cool badass pie eating contests, right. you know, like instead of doing like, like that yeah. boring lame Starfleet stuff, we're like cramming pies and." Yeah, you thought she was going to be like that. 100%. I thought it was going to be something like that. Because, like, the way that the um, reporter was describing, like, some of the incidents, like, I was like, oh, and the word, like, what was it? The word, like, crazy was tossed around or unorganized or something, whatever. But, you know, these little things. Yeah, silly, chaotic. (laughs) Yeah. When we actually got her uh, interview, I was just, like, bawling. And then it was even more sad. They, like, really kind of, like, turned the, the gut wrenching uh with with her going to everyone and basically everyone's like uh you know feeling like oh you're it's your fault mariner mm-hmm. and you know her friends uh upon rewatch they were a lot kinder and of course they ran to her uh as uh uh braxton pointed out on twitter spaces but you know that was really sweet uh but still it wasn't you know it was just like it was very it was very poignant aside from that like uh the episode you know other than offering that like you know piece that made me cry uh it was a very interesting episode definitely feels like a part one you know like a setup to like more to come of course uh to and obviously because there's one more episode but yeah that texas class was cool even if she's a little scary um it was really neat uh story to go back and visit um the ornarans and the and the breckens uh and it was really interesting to see that the uh ornarans had beat their uh drug addiction and we're now a like you know a totally changed society and stuff like that. And that mural was hilarious. Yep. That, that Picard <laughs> knew what he was doing. That Picard he knew what he's doing. It's true. I don't know about that, but <laughs> but it certainly turned out all right. But yeah, it was it was a very cool uh, episode uh, overall. Uh, not you know not uh, first week. I can't say that this is like my new favorite of the week, but it's still up there. I mean, Lower Deck season three is not you know by no means is this like a. A bad episode and i think overall the season's just really uh firing on all cylinders as they say so yeah really enjoyed this episode really excited to see how they conclude next week firing on all cylinders or because it's star trek shall we say flying on all thrusters Thrust- that's what i meant that's what <laughs> i meant <laughs> but yeah this episode uh it was a very interesting experience watching it because I spent the first half of the episode kind of unsure if I was going to like whatever it was building towards. But then as soon as the Breen show up and we get like that cool little action piece there and then, yeah, the the reveal with Mariner at the end, uh, that definitely uh, it was emotional. And, you know, her just being marched off to Starbase 80, they kind of built up to the Starbase 80 thing over the, the course of all three seasons. But I did not like this as much as most of season three. I think the last uh, four or five from Reflections On, that being the one with uh, 
evil Rutherford and good Rutherford. That was the the reflection. But yeah, from from reflections up until now, I think they've just been home home run after home run after home run. I loved going back to DS9. I loved the peanut hamper stuff. I loved the Crisis Point sequel. Uh, so this didn't quite measure up to that. However, I feel like I can't fully judge this until I see what they're setting up. I don't know how resolved things are going to be next week. I don't know if this is part one of two parts or if this is part one of uh, you know a larger series of, of episodes. Maybe we'll have another cliffhanger with the finale you know, going into season two. Uh, I kind of lean towards thinking that they'll, they'll resolve some of the stuff next week. I think Mariner might get back on the ship by the end of the episode next week. But I think it'd be more interesting if they kind of kept her off until, you know, some point in season four. Uh, I know the next time we see Mariner is probably going to be in Strange New World, probably in, in the spring when her and Boimler time travel into live action or whatever's going to happen there. So that kind of makes me think, okay, they're probably going to get her back on the ship. But uh, it would be cool if they kind of kept her off for maybe several episodes or maybe like the entire season four or something like that. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see next week. In the meantime, though, I'm very excited about the, uh, the Texas class for obvious reasons. I would love it to be a hero ship. It might be a, a villain ship. So we'll find out on that. But yeah, if, if nothing else, that just makes me more eager to see what happens in this finale. In the beginning of the season, BJ was kind enough to point out that we all kind of speculated uh, when we met Captain Aberdeen uh the way mariner was like enticed by her and like you know that that last shot of what was it episode two or whatever where she's looking at the pad you know she saves the number on the pad and everything who knows how they're gonna play it out but it is neat that boims went off on the titan and kind of left and now uh, mariner's kind of doing the same thing well let's get into our episode breakdown starting off with the very beginning of the episode the uh, cerritos on her way to or Nara to do what would be the first mission, and uh, it sounds like this is Freeman's idea—the whole project swing by. You know, she talked about in season one how Starfleet is good at observing, but not as good at maintaining. And you know, here's probably a good use for the second contact California class starship to do these swing by missions, where you know the big dogs like uh, Picard, you know, they go and show up and and have like this whole grand adventure on like the first contact episodes. But, you know, we need to we need to circle back and, and check in on them or else we get like the people on beta three who keep worshiping Landru. So <laughs> this is kind of her uh, debut, kind of like the pilot episode or kind of like the audition for like this project swing by to see if it's something Starfleet will continue. Uh, however, she gets the the bombshell dropped on her that the Admiral is sending a Federation News Network reporter, Victoria Nuzay, from FNN to report on what's going on. And Freeman freaks out. She, she's like, oh, my God, our ship is a disaster. We're going to have a reporter here. <laughs> I love that moment <laughs> when she's yelling to her her staff. And they're, they're kind of like joking around. They're like, oh, yeah, clean up the ship. Yeah, good one. But then when Dr. Tiana's like, oh, shit, she's serious. And they all like go running out of the, the conference room. <laughs> <laughs> the episode is revisiting the planets from symbiosis next generation that is the story of a i guess like drug dealer planet that's providing uh, it started off as like medication but drugs to another planet that is addicted to the substance and picard i guess resolves things by severing contact between the two worlds so the uh the buyers the planet or nara had to go through withdrawals and get over their addiction. 
Ransom kind of recaps that for the audience who might not remember. Um, but uh, but yeah, it kind of sucks for the Cerritos crew because, you know, they're having fun doing their pie eating contest and stuff. And Freeman's like, nope, we got to look professional. So I, I thought this was like very relatable. Anyone who's ever like worked in uh, an office type setting or probably like a lot of environments, you know, like there's always like that scary moment when like visitors are coming and like your boss is freaking out. Like, oh my God, we have to like look so good in front of this person. We have to impress them. And, you know, they're kind of just like scrambling around, making sure like ev- everything uh, looks uh, ship shape. But Starfleet, what did, what did you think about this uh, this opening and kind of Freeman's um, intensity here in preparation of the reporter visiting? You know, it's really interesting. I know uh, Captain Freeman's been through a lot and um, I saw some comments uh, in the audience, uh, I, I forget who it was, but just folks saying like, oh, like, uh, I was mad at Freeman. Maybe she should lose her captaincy or like, uh, or, you know, like, you know, this is like kind of like ruined her for me and stuff like that. And I think this is pretty consistent, actually, with her character. Like she definitely she and Mariner are similar in in the sense that like they're kind of singularly focused sometimes, you know, and don't see what like everyone else might be feeling and so i thought that was like an interesting example of that like carol's gonna carol i love that mm-hmm. i feel like i'm gonna use that like all the all the time now but the but, the mature but, response from mariner is as boimler you know gives her credit when when you know mariner's yeah. actually being like very open-minded and respectful of her mom and being like yeah like this is scary for her she's nervous let's just you know try to help her out the best right. we can so but at the same time i mean there's like blueberry footprints and like blueberry stuff like everywhere so mm-hmm. you know she on wants the one to be hand, helpful that's... but she's kind of oblivious to oblivious to what she's doing to kind of like how's carol gonna get less stressed when mm-hmm. she sees like this crap right like if you know like so so there's like a there's an you know this is kind of like them right like all the yeah. time like you know this is like a little distillation of that uh but yeah i cracked up when the crew was like oh shit she's serious <laughs> But I, I like the, the layers. <laughs> yeah. The layers to the speaking of like cakes and pies and whatever, but the, <laughs> what, what we were just talking about with yes, Mariner wants to help her mom, but oh, she's oblivious to like, oh yeah, how how does it look, you know, when you're leaving tracks, you know, blueberry <laughs> filling footprints all over the ship. But Mariner actually has it right. She's like, look, we don't yeah. have anything to hide. You know, we show this yeah. reporter like how good of a crew we are, how good of a ship we are. Uh, how how much uh you know I, we we respect you mom the captain yeah. you know I I enjoy the work I'm doing here and if she would have just been allowed to I guess uh show that side of the Cerritos to uh, Victoria Nuse then there wouldn't have been any conflict so it was more of just like Freeman's uh, overreaction and she was much more worried than she needed to be she should have just like trusted her you know crew and I see this a lot with people that are very I don't know like career focused. Uh, so they they tend to like always be so worried about like oh what kind of impression am I giving off like I need to always look good so I can like advance in my career and we know that Freeman has a bit of that right she was for a long time very worried about getting promoted to a uh, bigger better ship she wanted to serve on a capital ship that was kind of her motivation until like season two and she decided like no like I want to stay on the California class I want to stay on the Cerritos so now she's kind of transition to like i want the cerritos to have a more important job and that's kind of her motivation here but she still kind of has like that same kind of like oh i have to you know project a certain image and and yeah that's something like i'm not that type of person when when i go to work sorry if any of my bosses are listening to this but you know like yeah i just want to clock in like do what i need to do clock out and then go home and talk about star trek so i'm not gonna like make my whole life revolve around you know trying to project some certain image because i think it'll help me like advance and get like some 
some higher status or something like that. Uh, but I, I see people like that all the time. So I, I understand where Freeman's coming from. I think, yeah, I've seen some like really crazy reaction. I don't want to say crazy. I've seen like some really extreme reactions online. People being like, I hate Freeman now. She's one of the most terrible people ever. But I don't know if it's because she's being like an asshole in this episode or I think it might be more to do with uh, what, what she tells Mariner when she uh, is Yeah, it really was really harsh. And- yeah, that was a, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but uh, yeah, that moment in particular was kind of harsh. I mean, she doesn't say you're not my daughter anymore, but she does, you know, it's pretty harsh what she says to Mariner in that scene. But like, she says like, maybe you're not or something like, you know. Yeah, may- uh, maybe I can't like, even call you my daughter anymore. Yeah, it hurt. That hurt my feelings. Like, But I think that's good Mariner drama. Is. I think like, yeah, people get it is ang- really good. People drama. get angry yeah, and yeah. say stuff like that. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They do. I know. I mean, I, I feel like uh, I feel like we've all been there or to some degree with uh, our own parents, you know. But that being said, going back to this moment for a second, you know, we wondered back in season one, how would they do? How would they handle? character development and story arcs and things like that and so far lower decks has been really doing a spectacular job handling it better than every (laughs) star trek show ever (laughs) maybe yeah and and yeah there's just like so much uh history now and i love you talk about this but i love that they're now relying on their own history to like kind of reference which is really cool you know not just the the famous Starfleet stuff, even though that's all there. But I think this um, episode maybe cool. didn't do that as much as the last few. Like, I feel like, you know, like the pie eating contest stuff, for example, I don't that kind of felt like more like season one, season two type humor. It didn't really seem like as character based as some of the, some of the other stuff we've gotten in season three. But what did you think when they go into the pie eating contest and the security officers are are just throwing the pies away? I guess, they, I guess they're throwing them back into the replicator to get, yeah, they're like re- converted yeah, they're back getting- to, <laughs> I mean, like their their reaction. I thought it was a little over the top when when they're just like uh, when, especially Rutherford, when he's like, "Just stun me now if I can't have pie. I need the crust to live." <laughs> no, I get it, man. Uh, those uh, have you ever, uh, Father? Have you ever done a, a food eating contest of any kind? Like, have you ever participated in any of those things? I've actually done several. I'm better at like oh, the nice. uh, the spicy stuff. <laughs> Like if it's, you know, eat a certain amount of hot wings within a certain amount of time. I'm pretty good at that. Well, you really do starve yourself all day. At least I do to prepare. I've done a couple too and I've starved, my, you know, so that you can eat as many things as you can. That Even felt realistic sure when, when they were yeah. like, I, I mean, I don't They're know so about hungry, like you know? <laughs> modifying your digestive system to oh. fit more pie. But Tindy saying she's perfected like dislocating her jaw. Like, okay, like maybe oh, Orion yeah. women do that. <laughs> get your mind out of the gutter it just alien biology might be a little different uh but i think like rutherford's uh like rip uniform reaction there's just a uh, it was a little over the top for me i loved it i thought it was great <laughs> but I, I guess they, they needed to build up to mariner getting frustrated uh because they, they start off with you know she's really trying to like go along with the flow and see things from her mom's point of view like boimler said like oh yeah it is weirdly mature for her uh, so more of that character growth we were just discussing. You know, her reaction to the the pie contest, pie eating contest being canceled is much less dramatic than Rutherford. You know, she's like, well, this sucks, but I guess let's just go to the bar and drink some synthahol. You know, it's, it doesn't have to ruin our day. You know, we can still have a good time hanging out. So weirdly mature of her. Uh, of course, that doesn't exactly work out either because the bar has been taken over. It's been converted to the commander's lounge where they are conducting 
interviews. interviews. So. If you go back and rewatch the episode, you see Victoria talking to Barnes and Kayshawn and Shax and all of the, like the bad stuff that she brings up later. It, like you can see like where it comes from like these interviews. You know, Kayshawn's talking about being turned into a puppet. Uh, Shax <laughs> is talking about oh, it was so funny when we got Quark kidnapped and you know stuff like that. Uh, Barnes is, is trash talking the engineers, saying how they had to go off on that spa field trip. Uh, we have a, a cool little appearance of Kumalo and Matt that were, they were a little tame, you know, they're normally like kind of a, I don't know. They, they get horny. Uh, they, yeah. They, they, <laughs> there might be like some HR complaints around these, these two belugas, but they're just like, Oh, it's cool. We eat a lot of fish. And when we're, we're not stellar mapping, we're partying. So <laughs> I guess, uh, I guess ransom would have been the HR complaint this week. Oh, he, uh, yeah, that he was, was he was making Victoria a little uncomfortable, <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Although she was making him very comfortable, according to him, apparently. <laughs> oh yeah, he's. Like, he I can was tell you, anything. very comfortable talking to her. <laughs> Want to talk about uh, obliques and his workout routine, all kinds of stuff. This sequence, kind of like this montage, kind of this uh, cutting back and forth between different interviews. I don't know if it reminded you of anything in, in previous Star Trek, but to me, it reminded me of the DS9 episode, Doctor Bashir. I presume where Bob Picardo from Voyager goes to Deep Space Nine to interview people about Dr. Bashir and uh, in an attempt to research him to use him as a template for the new emergency medical hologram. It ended up going to Andy Dick instead of Julian Bashir. Uh, but uh, it, it reminded me of, of that a little bit. You know, we're, we're cutting back and forth between these different interviews among the uh, the crew members. It did. It, it does totally remind me of that too now that I think about it. But yeah, I liked it. It actually reminded me of something... I can't remember exactly what season it was in, but in Battlestar, there's a reporter thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, it kind of had that same vibe of, like, interviewing the crew, and some of them say stupid things. And Babylon 5. Cool they did a whole Did reporter, that, too? They, oh, yeah. They did a whole, like, reporter episode where it's just, like, this news team. I, I don't want to spoil Babylon 5 too much, but it was basically a... Is that a point in the show where there had been, like, a bunch of... There had been, like, some tension between Babylon 5 and people back home. And this news team comes on board their station and interviews all of them. And then the people on B5 are like, well, maybe this will explain, you know, what's going on from our perspective, from our point of view. Maybe this will make us look better. And then, like, they, they sit down to, like, watch the, the news report on, like, their cable news channel. And it was, like, everything was, like, taken out of context. And it was, like, total, like, slanderish. is just, like, lies about Babylon 5. And it was... Uh, it felt frustrating, but in a very realistic way. Like, oh, yeah, this probably happens all the time. Like, media can, like, butcher stories or distort things or take things out of context. Uh, Aaron, our live audience, is saying nearly every sci-fi show does the reporter documentary thing. So, yeah, that's uh, true. That's uh, interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know if, if Star Trek has, has done it before. I guess they did a little bit with Picard when we had uh, FNN originally named that came from the first Picard episode where we see like Picard kind of make an ass out of himself on national news or Federation news. That's right. That's right. Who's this character uh, that was blocking the door? Yeah. Uh, that's from that same entering. I don't know if he's ever he been the named, one who said move aside but... lower decker or something like that in the first episode. Yeah. Right? He like only, in... he only pops up to like block <laughs> our main characters <laughs> from like getting in somewhere. But or, or I tell them like so... you know, move al move along lower decks or whatever. He he was in the very first episode, you know, when Tendi is coming off of the shuttlecraft. Remember, like it worried people then. I That's was like, right. It's like, oh, is everyone going to be mean on this show? Like people shouldn't act like this in Starfleet, right? 
yeah, he he was there. He was uh, I think he was there to greet Peanut Hamper, maybe when she came off of the shuttle. Uh, he was around an Ix Greedus when the senior officers became lower deckers for like the holographic <laughs> trials, the drills and stuff they were doing. You know, he told like Captain Freeman and Commander Ransom, "Move along, lower decks." So I guess because he's just like a he's a lieutenant, so I guess like his rank didn't really change much if they kind of inverted everyone's rank. He's just stuck in the middle. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, he he doesn't let Mariner and the rest of our heroes into the bar. So, uh, what was what was Tindy talking about here? By the way, when they they get kicked out of the bar, and then Tindy says, "Let's get out of here. I have some some newsy and oh. root that'll knock <laughs> us out for." Note. Are they like are they like doing drugs or something? What's this root? I wondered about this. Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> what is this? Yeah, we can't get to our synthahol, so let's just go like use like this alien root to get high. I will just say, if you're going to experiment with drugs, having the science officer administer them is probably the best case scenario that you could think of. You know, like, yeah, uh, she's probably doing it as right as she, possible. So she like, has medical you know, training. Like... She's a very, like, compassionate, <laughs> considerate person. So, yeah, I think you're in good yeah. hands with, with yeah, experiment so, with Tindy. But that was an interesting uh, network uh, thing. It made me think that, like, yeah, like, that makes sense. Like, um, you know, the Newsian route also could just be, like, a mild sedative, like, Maybe it's trippy a little bit. There are things, right? I for, I forget what they... There's been things where it's like... Romulan ale is, is an example. It's supposed to have, like, on humans, a totally different effect. Not just inebriation, but you kind of kind of get, like, you know, extra, you know, on it or whatever. So there's all kinds of things that would probably react with humanoids uh, in different ways in the future. So Newsian root could... We don't know what it is. It, could, it might not be as bad as snake weed, or it could be as just, <laughs> like... It could just be as calming as a... Snake as leaf. Like a camp snake leaf thank you uh i was uh, <laughs> i was transposing what it really is but uh <laughs> but yeah it could be just as calming as like chamomile tea or something but i think it's probably along the lines of like a sedative of some kind that's I mean, probably, her, her probably exact words were that'll knock us out for a while so i don't know right. if it was like, yeah that's true we'll we'll pass <laughs> out from this or like oh we'll, we'll just chill and hang out but yeah I'm, I'm curious if that ever comes up again um. <laughs> I, I like that they, they you know, kind of showed Mariner, like, at first, like, she's trying to, you know, go along with her mom, be supportive, and then it, it's kind of a process that gets her angry enough to be like, you know what, I'm just going to defy orders, I'm just going to go talk to the reporter myself. Because that is, like, you know, what kind of, like, pushed her to be like, uh, you know, this is a lie, we're, we're not truly representing the Cerritos, whatever's going on with this commander lounge and those interviews, I'm going to go tell her what's really going on. In a way that'll make us sound good, but you know, no one, no one believed that. Everyone assumed the worst of of Mariner. So yeah, it is a little bit of that kind of tropey, kind of like that sitcom thing, like that misunderstanding. But I honestly, like, I kind of get it. I kind of see why people would be nervous. I was nervous. I was like, oh no, Mariner is going to talk to her and just be like completely oblivious, like with the blueberries, and not realize she's making you know the ship look foolish and embarrassing her mom that's kind of what i was thinking was going to happen so i can't blame the characters too much for having that same initial reaction and and to be fair the writers totally wanted us to fall for this yeah and like you know go like the whole thing is set up that way you know like it's all very shady this part here you know and ransom's peeping around the corner and stuff but what i like is that if you do think a little harder like upon second viewing i was like yeah, we're all just being super judgy as heck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. On, yeah, I, I judged Mariner, Mariner wrong. She's like a character I yeah. always like. I always root for. I always yeah. uh, relate to. Like, I I don't always agree with what she's doing, but I can typically understand where she's coming from. But yeah, even I yeah. misjudged her. Yeah, uh, 
the heart breaks i'm so sorry beckett i'm so sorry i love you <laughs> come back come back to the cerritos <laughs> starfleet boy i know that you are uh, madly in love with the next generation so was it exciting uh to yes. to revisit uh symbiosis yes. and go to arnara we'll talk about the not arnara the mission. episode i thought i was gonna be excited to go <laughs> Not the not the people I thought I would want to go back. It was but when they brought it up, when it came up in this episode, I was like, yeah, I actually wanted to see that. Like this is like you know this is a really cool kind of uh, 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 look back. And and I think someone pointed out it was seventeen years ago that Jean Luc Picard and crew visited these people. Yes. So seventeen years which has passed, which is season season one of the Next Generation uh, was in the year twenty three sixty four. Uh, so 17 years that does uh, also confirm the show even though it's season three like season two they are still in the year 2381 like i've been saying for yeah. weeks and that memory yeah. alpha had it wrong so just to remind everyone text track more accurate than memory alpha so y'all should uh, <laughs> y'all should listen to us instead of a. Uh, reading what that's a very useful website but don't don't believe everything on there you trust yeah. trust but trust and verify is that the the phrasing and verify now that i'm i could not a, I could not always. a fan of the guy who said that but there's there's some truth to that uh, mentality i think yeah not a fan either it's true father so many times i could go look it up on memory alpha but i'm like father he's gonna know this off the top of his head so i usually just ask you i it's like... i don't know everything off the top of my head but i can normally uh you confirm it or deny get... it pretty quickly yeah at least yeah pretty cool um, but also, uh, Father, I don't know. I didn't get a chance to go. I wanted to rewatch uh, Symbiosis uh, before we had our discussion tonight, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to. Did I forget? Do we go down to the surface on of of the planet on, I on that episode? Don't think there's actually like scenes like on the planet surface, but there they do call and talk to people that are on the planet. Like we right, we we okay. see people there, and they're describing it like, "Oh my God, it's chaotic! Like everyone is freaking out. We need our felicium. We gotta get that felicium fixed, man. You gotta help us out. It's a disaster down here." So there was a there was a lot of that. Uh, Aaron is, is pointing out in our live audience that this is the last episode that Denise Crosby filmed, and yeah, they actually shot it after they shot Skin of Evil. So even though she dies in Skin of Evil, and that aired later, they shot Symbiosis last and that's why there's like this really cool easter egg in the episode where you see her uh wave goodbye at the camera from the shuttle bay in the background it's also an opportunity for a future writer to do some timey-wimey stuff with uh, tasha yard that might be fun as well i don't know <laughs> father's not father's not vibing with that <laughs> I, don't, I, I can't i can't wrap my head around the uh the the timey-wimey like is that why she's waving goodbye she's like a she's a time traveler or something <laughs> she's a time traveler she's totally a time traveler sure uh the trek reviewer uh in the audience says they never beam down in the tng episode okay cool i i was wondering uh so that's cool we see uh, i guess we see ornara is it or not it would be ornara for the first right. time which is pretty cool too and brecca i guess as well which is neat um uh to see on ornara we meet benir the local magistrate and he kind of explains what's happened so i like that in the 17 years the first uh 10 or 14 were were pretty terrible when he shows them the mural Just of... <laughs> the terrible period is quite horrific the mural is... it was a the great joke hilarious it was a great it was a great visual gag you know you have uh <laughs> it, it it kind of follows you know that, that three-part structure and everything but uh but yeah their addiction is fitness that felt a little derivative to me we already saw one uh fitness-based society 
earlier in season three, but, uh, but you know, Jean really loved the idea <laughs> of like these paradise planets where everyone is in just incredibly great shape and, uh, you know, running around, uh, being, uh, being fit and romantic on each other. So I do like that they maintain their kind of look, uh, the garb, not just their like, you know, physical feature on their forehead, but like the garb is kind of similar, even though, you know, he rips that off or whatever, but it looks just like what like Merritt Buttrick and, uh, and the other guys were wearing and stuff like that. They had a cool, I always thought they had a cool look, the Ornarans. Oh, that uh, TNG season one aesthetic when they still had uh, Tice from the original series as the costume designer for a little bit. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Tragically, uh, what, one of those sad cases of, uh, you know, the 80s of uh, dudes oh, who- uh, HIV, uh, AIDS. Who uh, died of AIDS. Uh, speaking of yeah. which, that's also how we lost uh, David Marcus, who is in- that's right. What's the name Merit of the actor? Um, it's Merritt Buttrick. Who who was in who played an Arnoran in Symbiosis. Right. And it, ironically it was a Star Trek II reunion because the actor who plays Joachim is uh, the Brecken. He's, he's the Brecken, uh, yeah. Yeah, in that episode. So it was, I almost it was wonder if they see. did that on purpose. Oh, well, I, I, see, I see what you were doing, TNG <laughs> casting people. You know what actually bugged me about the scene? Which this is, I know this is like a, a nerdy nitpick, but when Ransom is asking them, uh, how much do you bench? And I laughed at the joke when Benir is like, oh, we don't do it for the numbers. We do it to quiet the voices in our head. That's actually pretty funny. But the yeah. uh, Ransom's reaction when he's like, oh, cool. Well, I, I lift 250. That's like 250 pounds. Like, I mean, that's pretty good. But shouldn't he have given like kilos or something why why isn't he using the metric system like 250 pounds like why are why are pounds still a thing in the 24th century i didn't that bugged me <laughs> you lose your addiction to drugs you forget the metric system i think it's a good trade off <laughs> <laughs> oh no that's not him sorry that it would be ransom. ransom yeah why uh, yeah ransom should have told you you're right that's yeah, a good starfleet nitpick, uses the metric system yo that's right you're right that's a good nitpick Man, uh, there's been these like uh, glaring uh, things this season, uh, Mike McMahon and crew, that uh, people have been pointing out. Uh, I wonder if they're on purpose. No. <laughs> Pi is eternal, and our live audience is pointing out. He says 250. He doesn't say pounds. But Ah, uh, okay. There I you mean, go. Yeah, that it could was be fathering. 250 standard space units of weight. But... <laughs> like, he uh, used no units. If you're, Father, like, if you're in like, good I was just shape. I telling folks how you're, you're like the go-to over... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> over uh, every often you don't even remember the episode correctly dang it <laughs> i don't remember what episode correctly this episode correctly <laughs> i do remember it <laughs> no i'm teasing carry on yeah he he does he does say 250 he doesn't say pounds but i mean like 250 pounds is if if you're like if you're a dude who's like in in really good shape and you can bench press a, a good amount like 250 is about like what <laughs> when I was uh, nineteen, when I was like the the best shape of my life, I, I think I maxed at one eighty, one ninety. I never never quite got past two hundred. So respect to respect to ransom for two fifty. If it's even pounds, I don't know. We don't we don't know what unit of measurement he's using. The most I've ever lifted is twenty five pounds. I think you could bench press more than than twenty five. I probably could, but that's the most <laughs> I've ever attempted. I mean the the bar the bar is forty five. <laughs> so I, I think you oh, could at okay. least pull that off. <laughs> Okay, so there you go. <laughs> but we also learned that uh, glutes are cute, but obliques are for freaks. <laughs> that, was a, that was a funny line, too. Ran Ransom had some zingers here. 
By the way, Pius Eternal did the math and says 250 kilos is actually 551 pounds. So Well, he ain't bench pressing no 551 pounds. Yeah, <laughs> so logic would dictate he was talking in pounds. I mean, so he's got a like a there, yeah, he, he has like a, a Vulcan <laughs> for a grandparent or something. If he's like that's a that's an inhuman amount. That's a that's some incredible upper body strength. <laughs> Ransom I I take back what I said earlier while Ransom did not give units he inferred units through the uh number choice he used and his physique suggests that that's correct <laughs> but uh it's it's instead of like you know my my nitpickiness on lack of metric system uh we should talk about the the call that freeman makes to buen amigo you know when she's like man like that picard guy did too good of a job there's nothing for us to do here on arnara what do we do you know we got to make project swing by look important to this reporter and it's actually the Admiral's idea to have Carol and the Cerritos go check out Brecca. So uh, we've we've talked uh, offline before about uh, this, uh, about how we suspect that the Admiral might turn out to be a Badmiral and that this was all staged. You know, it's very convenient. He sends them to Brecca. They get attacked by the Breen there, and he just happens to send in the Texas-class ship to make it look cool and make the california class look unimportant and all of this is in front of the reporter so do we think that buen amigo is is maybe setting up the the cerritos for failure and trying to position the the texas class to be like this this new all-important dominant class of starships yeah i think so the cerritos is a patrol ship basically it does these second class a uh, second um class <laughs> Uh, but they are kind of second class missions in a way. But sure. what I mean is that they're like certain they do these like kind of second contact patrol missions. It's like visiting and catching up with folks, making sure, you know, the Wi-Fi is working, the community, you know, more more accurately to the in universe. But like comms channels, maintenance, general maintenance, that kind of thing. They even have divisions among the ships. There's like, you know, I forget which color is our Cerritos. It's like the yellow, right? Mm-hmm. The, yeah, it's like more of an engineering. engineering. Because like, I think like focused, their yeah. their major role is like they go to the second contact mission to like set up the communication relays so that right. these, right, these planets exactly. can communicate with the Federation. Right. So automation makes sense for a lot of their functions, uh, which would mean you know it, it actually would mean really bad things for you know Cerritos. By the way, I like that he said it yeah. uh, in the correct accent. I sorry to interrupt, but I I suspected way back at the season premiere, uh, Buen Amigo must be from Texas, right? Because he has an Alamo. Right. He has a little model Alamo on the shelf behind his desk. I think we can yeah, he's very we Texan, can confirm yeah. that. And we actually see more of the Texas stuff he has in his office later in this episode. So uh, I, I called that one right, too. Buen Amigo is from Texas. I want to know what part. I do think something's fishy here, and he's he's shady for using the California class to show off his fancy new Texas class. Also, I would argue I'm not a Texan, but if I were a Texan, I would say that the Texas class is too small to to be given the honorific uh of texas uh, it, it is so. weird like that's normally a name associated with like a, a large size like a galaxy so. class right like you would you know what they should have done class or something yeah, yeah. they, they should have had like uh, the texas class be really big and then have like an alaska <laughs> class that's twice as big but there's like no one on it that's the one that like no one is on yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it does. And I gotta say, like, it, it, it hurts my pride a little bit that the Texas class is smaller than the California <laughs> class. It's like, well, that's not, that's not geographically correct. That's a, that's kind of a misrepresentation <laughs> there. But uh, 
you know, whatever. Uh, I I do have to say I really enjoy this uh plot though, or the storyline of the automation versus the the humanoid touch, if you will, or like the, mm-hmm. the you know, like just like it's like the whole like it's Captain Dunsell thing from the Ultimate Computer, right? The, yeah. Those of you that have seen the original that, yeah. series know what I'm talking yeah. about. If not, then yeah, watch exactly. more original series. Yeah, exactly. You just gave me goosebumps, man. Uh, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good reference. Yeah, so exactly. It, this recalls that whole vibe. So I really enjoyed that aspect uh, of this episode when this came in with um with the with the twist with the uh, Texas class uh, being introduced. So yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sh- I'm just like uh, I'm very pleased with that because I've always loved the fact that when I was in the workforce as a uh, worker in middle management and stuff like that. Now I'm an entrepreneur, which I'm really excited about. But so it's a different thing. I'm more of an Okana now. I, I I'm kind of like Mariner. I left Starfleet, but uh, <laughs> but when I was there uh, in that in that world, this show is very cathartic and still can be. I think to anyone who works in like or has had contact with like a corporate type environment or an ordered type you know larger uh so it's very therapeutic in that sense so i love that the show you know continues to like shed light on some of the things that are actually real issues today like automation these ais like creating artwork for example or like music or even like they have like ai presenters now where you could just type what you want them to say so like if i or n- news articles to, uh, like like they're, yeah, t- they're yeah, replacing yeah, writers crazy. they're they're trying to replace artists right so it's very meta if you will in that sense or very uh you know or very like cathartic in a sense uh and i and i i intend to like you know this kind of rekindles my idea of like oh yeah fight that automation <laughs> you know a little bit where it makes sense you know well let's make it happen where it makes sense but i mean i don't i don't use the self-checkout when i go to the store i'm like no i'm just gonna like let this other person scan this because like yeah i used to i used to <laughs> why should i have to do this <laughs> i used to still use the toll booth when they still had the option now you don't have the option at all but i used to do that but then i learned that toll booth workers are exposed to like lots of harmful <laughs> so like that might have been a good case of automation but yeah i'm, not, I'm yeah. saying like there's a, a lot of things that you know can and should be automated but it's right, it's a, but not not a, not everything yeah yeah and you know it's something that they've kind of addressed in starfleet before and um you know we we have like some evil ai on lower decks so i think you know what's going to happen when uh, agamus and peanut hamper and maybe even badgy like what if they like take over the texas class ships or something like that <laughs> i don't know if that'll happen next week or uh you know what will happen with them but i'm very very curious to see it but i guess uh let's talk about when the other shoe drops and freeman has her meeting with victoria post post interviews af- after the interviews have, have been conducted and it does not go well for freeman uh victoria saying like yeah this is a chaotic irresponsible silly ship she's bringing up things from yeah ransom got uh turned into a space god from the strange energies you had to take all the engineers on a spa trip you uh used the dupler to get revenge on starbase 25 you gave this uh drill instructor a heart attack uh you know what's what the hell's going all this stuff with q you know what kind of ship are you running here freeman <laughs> i love that part when they were like you gave this this drill instructor what it was like a kind the of heart attack that like was like yeah a poly heart <laughs> attack really a poly heart attack that's what it was it's really you know, the spear wielding aliens took over the ship and temporal <laughs> edicts uh your your head of security got turned into a puppet in a this, the season two uh premiere uh what's what's going on here carol explain this uh well the whole thing with exocomp yeah what the hell that's what everyone was saying a couple of weeks ago you know the whole this whole thing with the exo yeah this whole episode about exocomp uh our, our dear uh, peanut hamper but 
but yeah, Freeman uh, overreacts, blames Mariner, and everyone seems pissed at Mariner. So this whole narrative is like, oh yeah, it must be Mariner's fault. Here's here's my theory. Here's kind of like my justification, my headcanon for this. But I think that Victoria Nuse could have been like, yeah, this one ensign was the only person who said anything good about the ship. But I think she wanted to kind of be more of an objective observer and see how things would shake out, you know, get that story, get that angle on it. So I think she kind of almost a little manipulatively, like, didn't didn't reveal who said what in an attempt to observe how Freeman would react. But yeah, she does not react well. She reminded me of, it seems like something like a crack shot reporter would do, though, like, kind of shake things up a little to see what the truth is, right? Because it's, it's really obvious that they're putting on, like, all this kind of, uh, oh, <laughs> to, to quote uh, the Admiral, this pomp, right? Like, they're like, yeah, there's, there's a show, so he's like, you know, like, get rid of the pomp. There, there's, there's some <laughs> pomp and circumstance. Yeah, they're, they're very, uh, yeah, it, it's in, inauthentic. It was yeah, disingenuous. Exactly. That's a better way of saying it. Yeah, d- yeah. so she's trying to shake, it, shake through it, especially probably because she's like, maybe she was ready to, like, tell this one story but because of mariner maybe she's trying to shake it up just to see like what really would happen but then she's disappointed because she even points out like well the one (laughs) the one officer that talked like good about the ship was kicked off so calling into question captain freeman is actually not a bad thing because i think captain freeman is a bit out of control you know like she's lost her perspective if you will She's always kind of on the edge of losing her perspective, but when she loses it, she like really loses it. Like this, you know, like this episode illustrates. And so she still has work to do, which is interesting. Yeah, but her her temper definitely gets the best of her and she has the line, uh, you're no longer my ensign or my problem. I don't even know if I can call you my daughter anymore. <laughs> Dismissed and Mariner is sent off to Starbase 80. And even Ransom is kind of like, uh, Captain, what are you doing? Like, he even thinks it's a bit of an overreaction. Oh, yeah. He was just like, I thought you were just like, I I think Ransom, a little bit of Ransom. I appreciated this moment because a little bit of him comes out here where you, you realize he's been writing, you know, Mariner uh, this whole season, like uh, being really like kind of hard on her and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, so in this moment, I saw, oh, that's like Ransom's a pretty good guy because it shows that he wasn't like ever going to kick her off. He just wanted to teach her a lesson or I mean, whatever, he probably he never wanted to see her leave. He, yeah. He's probably observed like, yeah, she's become like a model her officer. Growth. She's doing like a yeah. really good job. You know, he's he's said as much a couple of times in the season. Uh, the, the irony when when Mariner is uh, going on, you know, this kind of like walk of shame down the corridor of everyone uh, giving her uh, the, the angry eyes. Shaq's and barnes both kind of you know talk shit to her when she walks by like uh yeah you know, like uh, you made us all look bad and stuff like that but they're actually the ones in the interviews that made the ship <laughs> look bad uh, when we get the full context and uh the, the thing with jennifer you know even jennifer is like angry at her and and i don't know i don't know what the, the spells for their relationship but kind of makes me hope that they smooth things over that i hope like jennifer eventually like apologizes to mariner and they're able to get back together <laughs> yeah. but i mean it was very disappointing because um i feel like jennifer in that other episode i was really vibing she was a very like, like supportive like, yeah. love interest there and and seemed very like open-minded and accepting of mariner and especially like the things that make mariner mariner but i mean yeah people are people are flawed that being said i mean i feel like captain aberdeen is pretty hot yeah too. so i'm curious <laughs> so i'm curious if, if they're trying to <laughs> lay the groundwork for some possible romantic sparks there i think i think right. that would that's the more dramatic choice so i think that's probably the, the, the 
a good angle to uh, to approach the the story with. But I love that the the main lower deckers, Boimler, Tindy, and Rutherford, they all were even even when the captain like gives out the order, like you know, in order to maintain security on the ship, do mm-hmm. not talk to Ensign Beckett Mariner. But her friends, you know, they still talk to her. They're like, oh come on, we gotta you know talk to the captain. We gotta. We got to make this work. But Mariner's reverted. She's gone back to like the cold, distant Mariner that we saw in seasons one and two. She's more like self-centered. She's more like she's just burnt. She's tired of, you know, trying to like make friends with people, but then being like reassigned or demoted or whatever. And she's like, yeah, like, you know, this always happens. I always like lose my friends. I always, you know, get shifted around in Starfleet. She doesn't want to say goodbye. She's like, you know, like goodbyes suck. Like, let's not even waste time with that. Uh, yeah, it was it was sad to see her, you know, as much growth as we've gotten with her and as close as she's gotten with her friends it's sad to see her kind of revert back to like episode one mariner i appreciate that her friends disobeyed orders and i think she would not have let them do anything more than that like just to come out and say goodbye knowing mariner but i really wish they had like fought a little harder and listened to her because boims just says oh you know just apologize anyways even if you didn't do it like without even asking like what's going on like what's your side of the story you know what i mean like so i was a little disappointed about that i just wish they were a little more you know but at that point mariner was pretty fed up as well i think she she might not even have wanted to talk about it so who knows yeah she clearly did really sad yeah it's just a sad this is seen reliving it here i'm I'm devastated. <laughs> but then we, which, we get the which levity. Which is why I think this episode's actually pretty good. Yeah, I think I think we they balance the they balance the humor really yeah. well because you know we get like that big yeah. dramatic moment, but then we get the levity with the two morons from Starbase eighty. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's extremely gross that they hand her a uniform that had a uh, missing sandwich in it. <laughs> oh goodness! This yeah, the whole thing is gross. Like, did you see the shuttle is not even like clean? So how how does this happen in Starfleet? How does Starbase eighty even exist? Like, what is going on? Like, I need to know a lot more. I need to know more. <laughs> yeah, you would you would think 80. that the the absolute worst posting in all of Starfleet <laughs> should still be like a little better than this. <laughs> This is really bad. Like what? Like I would have resigned my commission before even getting into the shuttle. I would have just been like, "Drop me off at the next hellhole. I don't care." Like this is so scary. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely makes you feel for Mariner. Like yeah, like I would not want to work there either. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh Brecca and like the crazy stuff that goes on there. Uh, we have a uh, Maglimo left in command of the ship. So that's, he was so happy. <laughs> that was our source for levity in this sequence, uh, because yeah, yeah, things get serious here when they beam down to Brecca and they find the uh, the whole planet. Well, I don't know if it's the whole planet, but at least like the area they beam down to seems to be uh, totally a uh, void of of life. There's, there's something creepy about you know like going through like an empty city like this. I was talking in the Text Trek Discord server, which is open to anyone to join, where we talk about Star Trek and other things. But I was talking there to uh, Joel, who's with us right now in the live audience, about how this reminded us both of the uh, Charlton Heston movie, The Omega Man, and, like the beginning of that when he's driving around the uh, the abandoned city. I don't think I've ever seen that film. Oh, well, uh, you can also see uh, I Am Legend with Will Smith or the... Uh, ah, yeah, yeah. There's okay. a Vincent price one too i think it's called the last man on earth i've never seen uh the only one i've seen is a charlton heston one but yeah it's a good movie i recommend it uh but yeah the uh the the city appears to be totally empty until ransom stumbles across a single brecken who's just like oh my god you gotta get out of here before she is disintegrated by breen soldiers and we have this uh this breen attack on the cerritos officers (laughs) great 
So it, the the show does action so well. Like when they do like these serious action moments. Yeah, it does. It re- this is a phenomenal uh, sequence. You're absolutely right about that. But what did you think about seeing the Breen again? I love the Breen. I think that they're a cool, mysterious bad guy. I love that we've never learned too much about them. I don't know if they're going to do more with the Breen in Lower Decks. They might just be used here in this episode and not show up again or not show up for a while. Or this might be just kind of like introducing them to the to the show and, and they have more things with the Breen planned. I'm fine either way, but it was good. It was good to see them again because they, they do make like a good bad guy for something like this. You don't need to really explain their motivation because they are. That's their whole thing is like they're very like mysterious. No one really knows, you know, what they're up to, what they look like under their suits, stuff like that. So uh, just, yeah, just the fact that like. Okay, they're here, they're up to no good, they're doing creepy, sinister stuff, we don't know why. That absolutely works with the brain. Uh, but I, I don't know, what, what did you think about seeing them? It, it it was like, not who I expected to see on Lower Decks, but it makes me so excited that they're on Lower Decks. And I'm actually pushing a little bit for the Breen playing a bigger part in Lower Decks in general, because I think that even playing them s- dead serious, there's a lot of uh, opportunities for just cool shit, but also for funny stuff too, because they are mysterious. So there'd be a lot of questions and Lower Deckers would be totally the types that would ask those questions that the, that no one else would ask or like get into situations with them that no one else would get into so i think that that would be cool but this whole uh set piece you were saying i was just remembering there's that weird cool battering ram thing that was going to burn through the window and they were yeah. hanging on to it like pirates yeah like, that and, was the, really and the ship the ship battle yeah, yeah when, when they when they beam back yeah, up into, yeah. into space that was cool and, and yeah we get we get like the payoff of the joke of you know uh <laughs> captain freeman walking on the bridge and then seeing uh Maglimo's, I guess he calls his mom Mima, but yeah, when he's when, he, when she's like Mima, <laughs> she's so cute. then he throws she's so he cute. throws her under the the bus. He's like, Mom, you shouldn't call me at work. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they 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 get the, they get the joke in. They so I I thought it was like well balanced, and then yeah, back to like the serious action. The ship takes a lot of damage. Shields actually get knocked down. There there's damage to all decks. They they shoot a torpedo through the hole, Star, Star Trek six style, going the other direction, right, going from top to bottom. <laughs> yeah, when, when the when the Breen hell the Cerritos, and it's just like you know like that weird distorted Breen voice we heard in Deep Space right. Nine, and it's like loud. It like hurts their heads when when they. <laughs> they hear that like that yeah the, the brain seems so scary and formidable and creepy they they shoot a spread of torpedoes and the brain just like shoot them down and shacks is like they covered the spread and i was like yeah like these yeah. guys are formidable also i love that they've always like shown these like scales of the cerritos uh where you can see like really close up to what the hull looks like versus far away it's a really cool thing yeah. that they do on the D- show. despite they constantly say on the show that the cerritos is a small ship it's actually pretty big <laughs> yeah. but she is pretty big it's true she's bigger than the texas class, yeah but the, that's for sure the, the, the texas <laughs> is pretty big too because when we see it oh, it's not as big as the cerritos but when we see them side by side that's uh that's not a small ship you know it's not like a little defiant or bird of prey right she's not that small it's true i would say maybe she and protostar could be around the i same think size. I, take, I think the texas is bigger i think it's closer to, oh, to, to something like voyager okay. Oh, okay, okay, rad. But the Breen that, like, come on in, like, the, the outer hull, like, I don't know why they just wouldn't, like, beam onto the ship. But again, with the Breen, you don't have to explain that because, you know, they're allowed to be, like, very mysterious. But that whole moment of, like, Shax and Kayshawn in their environmental suits, like, inside the Cerritos, kind of having, like, that standoff with their phasers, and then, like, the Breen on the outside of, of the Cerritos trying to, like, burn their way into the ship, and Shax just being, like, uh, you know, defend yourself at all costs. The Breen don't take prisoners. That was all really cool and exciting and and a lot of tension uh maybe shacks saw some dominion war action you know maybe he crossed paths with the right. the breen uh, back during like season seven of ds9 
Uh, however, I have to nitpick again the line, the Breen don't take prisoners. We saw them take prisoners multiple times in DS9. They had like that whole ship full of Cardassians and Bajorans that they took prisoner when they were introduced in season four. And then in season seven, they take Worf and Esri prisoners. Like, yeah, the, the, the Breen have a history of taking okay. prisoners. Just to kind of like uh, do another thing. Although that's consistent because like the Klingons are always taking prisoners and supposedly yeah. Klingons. Yeah, Kirk, Admiral either, Kirk so. and Wrath of Khan, he's like, Klingons don't yeah. take prisoners. It's like, ah, uh, Kirk, you were held prisoner by Klingons there, in yeah. the episode that yeah, introduced exactly. them. Yeah, so maybe it's just something like commanders say to like get people motivated you know, pumped or motivated. Yeah. yeah. Like, what, what can I tell <laughs> this young officer to make them fight to their death? Like. Yeah, I mean, it would it would motivate me if they said that. Yeah, <laughs> surrender's not like, an option. Like, you got to right. kill them before they yeah. kill you. Yeah, yeah, that might that might make a difference for me personally. It's not a very starfleet way to motivate your your officers, <laughs> but uh, hey, also looking at it from the commander's perspective, though, uh, you're right. You're right. That's true. But if that little lie saves their lives, my buddies, I'm going to be true, like, yeah. so happy I told it. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I cannot argue with that. So. You, you say what you need to say, Shax. Luckily, no one dies. Well, I guess the Breen do. They get blown up. But the Texas class comes in to save the day. It's kind of like that recurring gag in Lower Decks where it's like, look, it's the Titan. Look, it's the Cerritos. Look, it's the Wayfarer here. It's like, look, it's what the hell ship is that i don't know but uh even like what you were talking about like uh, you you have opportunities to do brain humor we get a glimpse of that here and it was i i love how it doesn't like undercut them as a threat but there's a bit of brain humor where we see like the brain talking on the bridge of one of their ships where there's like the brain captain and you know we don't understand the dialogue but we clearly can figure out what they're talking about where he's asking a someone on on his crew you know what ship is this and then the guy kind of shrugs like i don't know i've never seen a federation ship like that but yeah just for whatever and they're they're talking like they're scrambled green voice for whatever reason i just found that hilarious but in a way that was still appropriate yeah it was, right. it was a cool little ship you know taking out the breen and then we get uh buen amigo like all proud He's of his so happy of his texas him, class yeah. ship this is also like the shot where we get like a wider look at his office and like oh yeah he's got like a little book with uh, actually like a picture of the state of texas on the cover because uh, you know, say say oh, what you will about journal, yeah. say what you will about the state of Texas. There's there's definitely a lot to uh, to criticize these days. But we we're the coolest shaped state out of all fifty. Is that right? I think we have the yeah. coolest shape. I mean, like I don't I don't see people you know walking around with like big belt buckles that have like a picture of uh you know like Idaho or Virginia on That's them. That's a good point. It's a really good point. I'm gonna have to like reassess the uh, boundaries and see if there's a cooler shape than Texas, but so, I'll give it to you provisionally. <laughs> I'll, I'll say I'll say it's the most iconic and probably the most recognizable. Coolest. That's true. Coolest when, can be debatable, but when I traveled to uh, when I traveled to Europe, everyone, uh, most people thought that I when I said I was from Miami, they thought it was either in California or Texas. So it's yeah, it's like the states <laughs> that like people know uh, overseas, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we get the uh, the USS Alito, and it's a cool design, cool introduction. But yeah, it's uh, strangely, uh, you know, it's an unmanned, automated ship. So what does that mean for the future of the California class? Perhaps we will find out next week. But yeah, unless you have you know something else crucial to say about like the uh, the Breen battle. I think we're ready to talk about, you know, the the ending. I think I saw you say or someone say that uh, Star Trek Lord X uh, delivers good space battles. And mm-hmm. I have to agree. This was an exciting battle. I loved watching it. Uh, in fact, I'll probably go watch it again uh, later tonight because uh, yeah, it, it was very exciting. It was very the, cool. The animation yeah. is just 
beautiful and and stellar and exciting there's been a debate in the star trek fandom for decades at this point about like how much action is too much action and you know we don't want to like dumb down star trek we want it to be like these these smart kind of heady science fiction stories but you know star trek has always done action good to a certain extent the original series had you know fist fights all the time and and, you know the, the the climax of many episodes there you know out there punching people uh wrath of Khan definitely uh showed you know really cool space battle action uh it's something that star trek i think can do well i i think it shouldn't just like you know completely uh lean into that genre and just be more of an action adventure show i think it does need like those heady concepts but the the good action in star trek is like the icing on the cake you know it's uh, it's not the whole cake but it, it certainly uh enhances the flavor uh, i think this is a good example of, of how to do that i have to agree with that yeah aside from that just a really exciting moment to just to see a new ship you know that's always a fun thing so uh whenever we get the introduction of a new class or a new ship so mm-hmm. uh welcome to the you know what in the old days we would be watching this like <laughs> i can't wait till i get an eagle moss of that right i know <laughs> <laughs> it's so disappointing no. maybe someday <laughs> i am uh father i'm looking into getting a 3d printer by the way so i'll have a replicator maybe i'll start replicating ships and okay. figuring that stuff out <laughs> well, let's talk about the ending we see the expose that victoria Nuze does uh starfleet's shame talking about uh how disgraceful the cerritos is and you know, listen to what these officers how they they trash talk other departments how they 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 mock getting uh civilians captured uh and yeah the the one lowly ensign who tried to uh talk about the the good things on the ship got transferred off of the cerritos simply for you know trying to talk to a reporter and 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 tell the truth freeman made a total ass out of herself and when she tries to contact starbase 80 <laughs> and apologize i i would would imagine apologize to beckett she learns like oh no my daughter has resigned from starfleet and uh we we don't know where she you know she's gone awol she's gone she's she's off the grid by the way starbase 80 still using a rolodex in the 24th century like yeah what the hell is going on there that didn't that didn't stand out to me it's so tired and sickly too it it didn't stand out as unusual to the same extent of like rutherford like uh you know ripping off his uniform and and screaming to be stunned because he didn't get to eat pie crust that that was still like weirder to me but yeah using a rolodex in the 24th century i I think using a rolodex in 2022 would be a bit bizarre (laughs) this ship is so cool yeah petra (laughs) aberdeen's uh ship is shown it's the the free spirit you can uh see the the name labeled on on the side of the ship but it's a cool asymmetrical design also would have been a cool eagle moss model to have (laughs) But uh, but yeah, she uh, Mariner, you know, followed through on that uh, that call to Petra. Uh, Petra left the door open, like, "Hey, you seem like you'd be uh, really awesome if you want to team up and be a uh, independent archaeologist with me. Just let me know." And there's possible, you know, romantic undertones to that. Uh, maybe maybe we'll see. I mean, some it's of that a explored. good ship. <laughs> I feel like it'd be a good ship. They get along, but you know, they also disagree on certain things. So there there's like a you know, I don't know. They're interesting as friends or whatever. The, yeah, and they're they're both former general, Starfleet, yeah. so they probably have a lot in common. Yeah. There's a lot they can talk about, bond yeah. over. You know, if you recall like the season three trailer that we saw way back at San Diego Comic Con in July, there's a shot of Mariner swinging like Indiana Jones on a vine with that uh... that stolen uh, idol. So I think that might be how next week's episode opens. Uh, we might see some archaeologist action. If not in the opening, then at some point in the episode, we'll see that. Very exciting. 
<laughs> yeah, like any anything else that we saw in the trailers is like if we haven't seen it in an episode yet, it's got to be next week. So, <laughs> also, uh, this just occurred to me: Mike McMahon promised to Lynn, the Vulcan to Lynn from Wage Douge was going to show up in season oh, three, and we haven't had her yet. So she must be right. she must be in the finale as well. Oh, very cool. Nice, <laughs> nice, good speculation. Yeah, I remember huh. this time last year, I was like, hey, we were supposed to get Sonia Gomez in season two, and it hasn't happened yet. That's got to be in the finale, right? And it was. So <laughs> I, I guess we'll see Talyn very soon. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder how Talyn will come into play. That's cool. Yeah, we have to see her. That's true. No, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see what happens next, and I don't know if it'll all be resolved. I kind of think it will, but I'd be more excited if they left some of the stuff hanging for season four or maybe they'll just give us something else they'll give us like a different cliff they'll resolve this stuff but give us like a different cliffhanger altogether i don't know but i'm definitely excited but yeah how, how do you feel about you know the ending of this episode any final thoughts on this episode and kind of where the sh- the show is positioned to go into the finale in a few days i think that there's this thing that's been looming over the la- the season i feel i've felt it especially which is the idea that like at some point the this little group that we love so much is going to be parted, you know, or, or separate. Right. But that being said, like, it's kind of cool. It's like when, for example, when, you know, when we think of Captain Picard now, we think of so many other people that he's had adventures with, like he's had adventures with like, you know, the, the La Serena uh, crew, you know, and, and adventures with Rafi and he's had adventures with like, you know, in the past, like with, you know, Jack Crusher, you know, there's just like all these other characters. And I feel like any of these characters, Mariner, Rutherford, Boynes, Tendi, I would love to follow them on any of their quests or adventures or their career paths or whatever. And so I just think it's cool that like, you know, we do get to see characters exploring other things. I hope, you know, I don't want to put too much I don't know what they're, they've got planned for this. Like, I don't know how long it's going to last, but like, I like the idea of going off with Mariner on an adventure that's not the main Cerritos adventure. That I'd said, love that. I think like, it's too, yeah. What, what we yeah, did that... with Peanut Hamper for like a whole episode. <laughs> I'd love just like a whole episode of like, here, here's uh, Petra and Mariner and they're doing like Vash stuff with space archaeology. Right, right. right. I, just for, space archaeology just awesome, give us yeah. like 24 minutes of that. I think that would be awesome. And and by the way, like, what is Picard doing around this time? Like, it'd be neat to cross paths he's, with Picard. Uh, at some he's on point. the Enterprise you know, E. Like... I, that's gonna happen. We're gonna. They've mentioned the Enterprise happen, several right? times. <laughs> in fact, I I think we'll probably get some big cameo. You know, they were doing like a bunch of cameos in season three, and then they slowed down. There's probably yeah. a big one coming. So Ooh, I don't yeah. I don't know if it'll be Patrick Stewart, <laughs> but I Patrick Stewart. I I would be very surprised if he never does any voice work for this show. I I think he he's an easy know, get. He's, he's a big get. It would be insane if they weren't trying to to do that. But you know you want it to be like the right moment. You want you want it to be justified. And the recording technology, you know, for the most part, has gotten really good at being remote, right? Like all of these guys do their work remotely. If I'm not mistaken, I think like, now they go into yeah. the booth. But they oh, they, okay, they still okay. do it separate sessions. But I I don't think they're still recording gotcha. at home. But if if Sir Patrick Stewart chose to do it from the road, he could like you know. So that's cool. Yeah. like he could totally do it. You know, that's neat. Yeah, uh, I'm all for it. But yeah, so I I really dug all this. I I dug this episode a lot more talking about it than I thought I did. So I feel like it's gone up in my esteem. I'm still not gonna call call it my favorite of the season because I'm gonna I'm gonna go with what you kind of suggested and treat this one and the next one as like a complete story. So I'll hold out, yeah. you know it, it like, might not like, even be if... resolved then, you know, this might be a Yeah. This might be a three parter another... for all we know. Star Star Trek's done on before. Yeah, certainly have. But yeah, very cool uh episode overall. Uh another another cracker 
So good. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, let's just go ahead and transition into the Gorn Egg section of our show. That's where I like to talk about all of the Easter eggs and jokes and continuity connections I found in this episode that I thought were worth mentioning. And just starting off with the symbiosis stuff, uh, Ornora and Brecca and the whole uh, Felicium trade that was going on, that was all set up in Symbiosis Season 1 of TNG. Go watch it. Yeah, it's kind of a that cringy season one of TNG vibe where they were still trying to figure out how to make next generation, but it's a pretty quintessential prime directive episode. It's a good example of what, yeah, those prime directive episodes. Uh, what, what are those all about? <laughs> uh, Victoria Nuse had the little badge on her shirt that has the CBS logo that a lot of us were, you know, making fun of, you know, CBS studios, but it's also very similar to what the press corps reporters were wearing in Star Trek Generations. And that opening when Kirk uh-huh. is on the Enterprise B, they had like that kind of a rectangle badge. Was it, I think it was the, the Exeter. In the TOS, was it like Ron Tracy? He had like the big rectangle. That was some one of the, one of the ships. One of the variant badges in TOS was kind of a uh, a rectangle like that, yeah, like gold rectangle. I but, recall. Yeah. yeah, they had like those rectangular badges and the the press corps that we saw in, in Generations. Uh, we had another Kayshawnism in this episode. He he says, "Yeah, what was it? <laughs> uh, for me, the Cerritos is life in the cave of Goranaga or Garanaga." I think he says, uh, in "The cave of Garanaga." Yeah, and, and then the, you get like that joke from Victoria where she's like, "Oh my goodness, they make you live in a cave?" And he's like, "Oh no, no. But I have lived in a cave before." <laughs> when Carol calls Admiral Buenamigo and is like, "Oh no, there's uh, nothing for us to do here on Ornora." Uh, he says, make them show you their government just in case it is secretly being ran by kids or someone pretending to be the devil. I don't know what the kids is in reference to. I don't think we've ever seen like kids running the government, except maybe that psychic baby earlier in season three. But my, may, maybe he's talking about like, and the children shall lead in the original series. But the uh, someone pretending to be a devil, that was clearly a reference to Arda in the Next Generation episode devils do and uh there's a reference to star trek enterprise and the temporal cold war when mariner is being ordered off the ship she runs into the cerritos conspiracy theorist steve levy who says uh hey i know this is all just part of some temporal cold war shenanigans so <laughs> you get uh, a, a conspiracy theory from him it's so weird i have a friend who's like exactly like that guy <laughs> like exactly exactly and all all about the theories the conspiracy theories it's so funny i don't want to call him out or say who he is but it makes me chuckle every time i see that guy <laughs> yeah i think i think we all know a few people that are like that <laughs> there's a reference to frame of mind when everyone is uh in that, that same sequence when everyone is mad at mariner mariner asks jennifer is this a frame of mind thing am i gonna wake up with some neural drain on my brain uh that is the episode of <laughs> next generation where Riker is in that alien insane asylum and he doesn't know if he's if he's actually going crazy and imagining <laughs> he's commander Riker or if maybe he is commander Riker and he's been kidnapped it's one of those like what is reality what is the dream i don't know uh, kind of psychological thriller type stories lordex kind of does this thing sometimes where they'll actually say the episode name mm-hmm. like as a reference but it's it's like skirts the line cuz like she could just be talking about frame of mind like in general like yeah well mike mike mcmahon's explained that like yeah like a lot of these stories are you know documented with you the episode titles so right on i mean q q does that in star trek picard he says like don't go all yesterday's enterprise on me or you know whatever he does say that that's right he does say that (laughs) the uh starbase 80 
shuttlecraft. That is the old Type 15 shuttlecraft that was first shown in the Next Generation episode, uh, Time Squared. I love that shuttlecraft. The Breen that show <laughs> up, they were uh, first mentioned in TNG Season 4, the episode The Loss, where Troy loses her empathic abilities. But we didn't actually see the Breen. They, they get mentioned a couple times in TNG, but we didn't actually see them until Deep Space Nine Season 4, Indiscretion, when... Gold Ducat and Kira team up to go rescue his daughter from from the Breen. And then they go on to play a large role in that final ten episode arc of Deep Space Nine and the, right. the final yeah, final stage so, of the yeah, Dominion okay. War. The uh, Breen Interceptor ship is the same ship that was used by the Breen in Deep Space Nine season seven. I love uh, those asymmetrical ships. There's a lot of cool ones uh and uh i forgot to mention captain aberdeen's ship is asymmetrical mm-hmm. too which is yeah it looked kind of like seven of nine's uh shuttle from star trek picard right right the, we barely it's on screen and it's like really tiny and it blows up immediately it's actually a cool but design, it's a cool design yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there is a uh blink and you miss it but there is a pyrithian bat on screen that hits the starbase awesome. 80 commander <laughs> or comms officer maybe but the whoever he is he gets hit in the head by this this bat but yeah there is also some uh wacky times trying to capture a pyrithian bat on star trek enterprise in the episode i'm <laughs> really not a fan of but uh a night in sickbay night in sickbay speaking of uh starbase 80 did the easter eggs did it make it into the easter eggs that the badges are all tng era badges and they're not like even the upgraded they're, they have that round yeah uh, they're, they're still using the of... uh the badges from the uh the 2360s they haven't they haven't gone to the 2370s <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. yet <laughs> oh my god the, the last one i got is uh it turns out that mariner and her new archaeologist buddy are going to dig up some vidalian mummies uh i think that's how you I say think it that, i don't remember but yeah. it's the uh oldest space traveling species that's known in the galaxy they they're another cat alien species because star trek the animated series love them they were shown in the animated series episode it's either the jihad or jihad i I always forget but uh, they would never name an episode that uh, these days but yeah it's actually one of my favorite episodes of the animated series it's just like a straight up 70s or 80s kind of action cartoon it feels more like i don't know like an episode of he-man maybe but with with kirk and spock in the middle of it but i i love it i absolutely love it i love the animated series it's such a great i'm so glad we're exploring it uh real quick i'll pitch uh, tomorrow we're back uh so 3 p.m eastern uh check yeah. us out uh, on, on for the animated saturdays series. we we discuss tas Woo! over on the starfleet boy channel yeah that's all i got on gorn eggs Aaron's confirming uh the jihad the jihad okay the jihad cool okay cool gorneggs fathery so that was a that was a lot of fun uh but i have some subspace transmissions to go over we asked people uh what did they think of the episode last week and i'm curious what people think of this episode this week so uh please by all means uh comment uh you can uh, leave a comment on youtube you can uh reply to my tweets on twitter you can sound off on the text trek facebook page or uh join the text trek discord server and talk to us there but we'd love to hear what you think about trusted sources after hearing what we think about it and we might share your response in future text trek content i have some subspace transmissions from last week on youtube thomas hill i think might be joining us live now but thomas hill said i think section 31 is going to replace bradward boimler with william boimler because they need to know what rutherford knows about the implant so yeah maybe we'll see 
we kind of suspected there might be like some one of the Boimlers might impersonate the other Boimler or something. Yeah, but what if wow. what if they replace Bradward with William on the Cerritos to try to you know spy on Rutherford? I think that might be interesting. So yeah, maybe that'll happen, and I think that might be a season four thing. Uh, but I guess we'll we'll find out when we find out. Also on YouTube, opinions no one cares about says, I feel like Boimler made a time travel movie because he was wondering back in Mining the Minds Minds whether or not they'd done a time travel story yet. So yeah, if you remember back in Mining the Minds Minds where they're going over like all their wacky adventures, which we also get kind of a recap of that here with Victoria doing that to Freeman. But back when Boimler and Rutherford are kind of going over that, Boimler does say like, what about time travel? Have we done time travel yet? So you know, maybe that made him decide like, oh, I'll just write like a little time travel adventure for us to do on the holiday right and we also got a response on twitter from science blue who says definitely was not expecting a second send-up of star trek movies to end up being about an existential crisis and featuring george takei the second half of the season has been great uh, to which yeah. trek trav on twitter said um yeah so agreement there that people are digging season three of lower decks I uh, also saw from Unplanned Trek said, uh, this is a brilliant episode. If I had a holodeck, I'd want to play this level. Peter on Twitter said, great episode, so much nostalgia. And uh, Eric Leonard on Twitter said, my expectations were low for the sequel. When Boimler came back from Ransom's office, all of that changed. The character development for Boimler and Tindy really made a difference in the story. So yeah, Tindy and Boimler both had some cool stuff going on last week. So yeah, that'll do it for this week's show. But uh, yeah, next week it's going to be Packed. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about the Lower Decks finale. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about the Prodigy mid-season premiere. And then we'll just uh, switch over to being like a Prodigy show for the following nine weeks after that. And close off 2022 with <laughs> the Proto-Star Kids. Thank you for taking the time to join us tonight, Starfleet Boy. Because this was a, a lot of fun discussing this with you. And thank you everyone in the live audience who joined in. I love talking Trek. Thank you for having me. Thank you everyone who's <laughs> listening or watching later. And until next time, as always, live long and prosper, y'all. Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek. And follow Fathery on Twitter at txtrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.